the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good morning, and welcome to 98.9 FM, The Answers, Bruce Hooley Show. I'm Jack Windsor, Editor-in-Chief of the Ohio Press Network, filling in for Bruce Hooley. As you know, Bruce underwent emergency brain surgery on September 15th. He had a cancerous mass removed from his frontal lobe, and he's recovering. And we continue to pray and give thanks that he will be fully healed and restored to full health. Now, if you tuned in uh, yesterday and Tuesday, you got to hear Bruce on air, and it was super fantastic for me to be able to talk with him yesterday. He weighed in on the UAW strike, Donald Trump's candidacy, and uh, maybe most importantly at the end of the call, talked about the importance of framing up abortion discussions with compassion and a desire to understand so that you can create a common ground to move the needle forward. And hopefully we'll hear from Bruce again very, very soon. And again, we love you, Bruce. We continue to pray for your uh, healing and uh, can't wait to have you back in this chair. Speaking of discussions, uh, did you have a chance to watch the presidential debate last night? Uh, live from Simi Valley, California on the grounds of the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library and Museum. Now, if you did, I want to hear from you. Call me at 844-825-5989. Again, that is 844-825-5989. And I want to hear your thoughts on the field of contenders. Let's see. We had... uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and South Carolina, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, Ohio's native son and entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, Vice President, former Vice President rather, Mike Pence, uh, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, and then North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, who the moderators asked it, uh, actually threatened to cut his mic at one point, and then New Jersey Governor Chris Donald Duck Christie. I will call him Donald Duck from now on. Why? Uh, Because he said uh, if Donald Trump doesn't get to the debate stage, then uh, they're not going to refer to him anymore as Donald Trump, that they're going to call him Donald Duck. And that joke fell uh, about as flat as you would expect it to have fallen. And if you want to call, but you aren't sure exactly what you want to weigh in on, uh, let's start with this clip from Ron DeSantis. On this stage tonight, he owes it to you to defend his record, where they added 7.8 trillion to the debt. That set the stage for the inflation that we have. Let me play that one more time. Donald Trump 
is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record where they added $7.8 trillion to the debt. That set the stage for the inflation that we have. What do you think about DeSantis's comment? Do you think that Trump owes voters his presence on the debate stage? Now, some fiscal conservative voters may want to hear Trump's rationale on COVID spending. And others who, by the way, are magnetized by the medical freedom beliefs of Democratic presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. want to know why Trump allowed Dr. Anthony Fauci to reign as powerfully as he did and why he pushed vaccines. Vaccines that are now, I don't know, in their umpteenth iteration and uh, we can expect an uptake or a jab of 17 to 20 percent of the population uh, with the latest rollout. And that says nothing about the sacred cow conversation, by the way, that corporate media outlets refuse to have. Uh, The risk and reward of the untested vaccines that were produced at, quote, warp speed. But we have uh, on the line uh, a caller, uh, Lad. Welcome to the Bruce Woolley Show. What's on your mind this morning? Hey, Jack. That's great. Uh, good groundwork laid there. Hey, on, on that debate, yeah. um, while they're bashing Trump appropriately for spending, handling of COVID, Mike Pence is standing right there. And <laughs> Pence was the leader of the COVID task force. And if you read uh, Scott Atlas's book, he really kept Fauci and Deborah Burks and uh, the whole rest of them kind of in charge of the country. And I, I just don't know why they're not, when they're talking about $7 trillion of debt and COVID, Mike Pence is right there. And they really don't sling any mud his way. You know, isn't that interesting? Um, you had uh, Ron DeSantis and, and Chris Christie. And by the way, I hope this isn't a turnoff to any of our listeners, but Chris Christie just reminds me of that drunkle, if you know what I'm talking about, that drunk uncle that's always at like Christmas or Thanksgiving, who's always giving you advice on you got to make good choices, you got to live a healthy life, and then meanwhile steps outside and smokes a pack of cigarettes and, you know, probably chomps down eight Big Macs and, you know, is is talking the talk, but she goes, this guy really walking the walk. And for me, I'm old enough to remember him appearing on Wine with DeWine talking about the efficacy of masks and how we need to mask up in order, you know, to regain our freedom. So Chris Christie to me is a laughing stock. And I'm sure that that's going to offend some folks. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not talking about his physique. I'm not talking about his shape. I'm not, I'm not fat shaming him. I'm simply saying that I think he says one thing and does another. And I think he's grasping desperately uh, to some sort of attention or relevance and is using the stage and bashing Donald Trump to do that. But uh, <laughs> but about all that, I, I digress. Um, so interesting point there, lad. Uh, so you think Mike Pence and you actually not think you remind us that he was part of that COVID task force. And uh, man, it seems like almost a millennia ago uh, when he was stepping on uh, uh, at the podium and talking about uh, two weeks to flatten the curve and uh, what the White House was doing. He really was behind that. Why do you think that nobody's really pointing the finger to him then? I, I don't think they really appreciate uh, what was going on behind closed doors uh, with Pence and, and that task force. You'd have to read into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, people just think it was Trump or it was Fauci or whoever was on TV. But Pence was in charge of the task force. Mm -hmm. He kept them in there. They sidelined reasonable opinions like Scott Atlas and and others. um, And they kept they kept Fauci in charge. 
They kept him on TV. They didn't do anything to fire him or remove him or silence him. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire time, Fauci and Burks and others were undermining the message that Trump was was sending out um, on COVID. Uh, Trump would say one thing, Fauci would say another, and on and on it went. And of course, the media sided with Fauci and fawned all over him. But Pence was in charge of it. He he made no strong moves. So. Pence is up there saying, I'm going to close the Department of Education. I'm going to end Obamacare. I mean, it's it's just laughable that he has anything, any uh, any standing at all with the voters because he's been there. And anything that they want to pin on Trump because they're running against Trump, they, they have to pin it on Pence, too. And anything that Pence says he's going to do, he hasn't ever done. So he, he is just a joke, and Christie is a joke. And honestly, to, to, to go on from that, there should only be three or four people on the stage. Who do you think that should be? DeSantis. Wow. Okay. DeSantis is a serious leader. I think, I think he's one of the best manager leaders of our time. He's shown it repeatedly. He was right on COVID. He was excellent with the hurricane. People are flocking there to Florida and, and on and on. <clears throat> He's a serious guy. Nikki Haley was very presidential in the first debate, but she wasn't very presidential last night, making fun of Vivek, uh, interrupting mm. the TikTok thing. She sounded kind of shrill and almost personal. She did. Like personally attacking Vivek. It looked so, angry, didn't, didn't she, really... at times? I mean, it looked like the she veins did. were popping out of her neck. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. She, she looked angry and, and it was like a personal animosity. Vivek is a serious, serious guy. He's trying to find his footing. I, I think the three people on this stage should be those three. It, it was it was very difficult to watch all the crosstalk, uh, interrupting um, seven people on the stage, three three moderators who didn't really have good control. It was, it was difficult to watch. So honestly. let me let me reiterate. So you said Vivek, you said Ron DeSantis. And who was your third? Uh, Nikki Haley. Okay, Nikki Haley should, should be on the stage. Should be on the stage. She's a serious person. But uh, we've only got about a minute here. But I, I do want to. Uh, I do want to say something about Nikki Haley. I, I thought it was um, that to me. I thought she had some coherent answers. I thought her answer on her economic policy was a little all over the place. It was kind of like I'm going to throw darts in about six different places and hope something sticks. But when she and her 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 answer on education was 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 darn solid. I mean she railed against uh, CRT, she railed against DEI, and I think appealed to the centrist voter. But when she came against Vivek Ramaswamy, what I heard was ignorance. Because if you've listened to Vivek, particularly on how he wants to decouple from China and declare economic independence from China, I mean, he has a plan. And uh, I thought that was her low point. Um, Hey, Lad, thank you for the phone call. And uh, Stay with us on the other side of this break on 98.9 FM, The Answer, The Bruce Hooley Show. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the presidential debate and uh, a couple other things coming down the pike. So stay tuned. Welcome back in, and thank you for choosing to listen to the Bruce Hooley Show. I'm Jack Windsor, Editor-in-Chief of The Ohio Press Network. You can uh, search us up at theohiopressnetwork.com. That's theohiopressnetwork.com. 
We give you the pulse on the people, politics, and policy driving your everyday life, and I promise you, you'll get an angle that corporate media outlets will not present at theohiopressnetwork.com. I want to put a bow on that last conversation we had with Lad, a caller, who uh, wanted to address last night's second GOP presidential debate. One of the questions I would have asked had we not run short on that first segment block was uh, Politico made a statement in an opinion piece they put out today where several of their writers weighed in and wanted to express who they thought won the debate, which interestingly enough, uh, I read four of the five and the first four that I read said uh, Senator, U.S. Senator from South Carolina, Tim Scott, won the debate. And uh, I think that's a really, really interesting analysis. Hey, I'm still interested in what you think. Don't be shy. Call 844-TALK-989. That's 844-825-5989. Let me know what you think about last night. The question that I would have asked Lad that uh, Politico, uh, their article conjured up in my mind is Donald Trump's absence from the debate stage is damaging to other candidates, relegating their primary debates to a series of confrontations at the, quote, kitty table, end quote. Now, <laughs> that made me chuckle because I think we've all had Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner and the adults sit at the, the, the big person table, right, the adult table, and then you've got the kitties over there with their little paper plates and, you know, maybe they're coloring on the table and hanging out and making all kinds of noise and, and the adults are doing adult things and the kids are getting to hang out and do kid things. And uh, that was the question I was going to ask Lad. And interestingly enough, uh, he sent me a text at the end of the, the phone call. And he said one more thing. Trump not showing up is the smart move for him. And it's smart of the others to criticize him. So what I think I'm hearing there is they've been given some lemons and they're trying to make some lemonade. Um, but really – who, the guy who has the monopoly on the lemonade corner is Donald Trump by not showing up. Lad goes on to say, I'm old enough to remember George W. skipping debates in 2000 because he was so far ahead in the polls. Frustrating for the others, but he won easily. Trump has no business being there if he's smart. He should be campaigning at the border. They all should. Interesting analysis there. You know, I tend to agree. I think that there are people who have beliefs, as I stated in the first segment. Maybe it's medical freedom. Maybe it's fiscal responsibility. And they go, okay, why did we spend $7 trillion? Or why did you uh, allow warp speed to happen? Now, interestingly enough, I got a message from a listener, Dave, and uh, he provided this insight. He said, I don't believe Trump pushed the vaccines. He made them available quickly based on medical information he was being given. And uh, he also went on to say that it's counterproductive for him uh, to show up. He actually thinks that uh, the debates themselves, given the distance between Trump and the rest of the field, are counterproductive. Uh, the winner or the winners in the instance of these debates are Democrats. Uh, the GOP plan, let's pit our best governor against the best president in my lifetime. Um, 
that's an interesting analysis, right? So if you put DeSantis against Trump, which is what you're seeing now, Donald Trump attacking Ron DeSantis, even to the, even to the level of saying that a uh, heartbeat bill is a radical solution to an abortion problem. Now, I'll caveat that by saying I think Donald Trump is absolutely being political. I think Donald Trump is trying to speak to that middle ground. There's, I don't know, roughly 30% on the right, 30% on the left. They're not going anywhere. There's a middle electorate that you have to influence in order to win the White House. And I think what Donald Trump is doing is he's saying we know that a vast majority, I think it's 73% of Americans believe in some sort of abortion rule at 15 weeks or lower. So I'm going to say that six weeks is radical with the belief that we're going to pick up a bunch of independents who don't really want to vote for Joe Biden, particularly when you consider energy and the economy and the radical goings on in our schools. So um, he's attacking Ron DeSantis, and I believe that he's hedging his bet saying, look, I'm going to say this, realizing that when I win the primary, I'm going against Joe Biden, and I'm going to caveat that too. I don't know that Joe Biden will be the guy. We'll talk about that maybe in the next segment. But when push comes to shove and the Christian conservative gets in the voting booth, that person is not going to push the button, fill in the oval, or pull the lever for Joe Biden. They're going to vote for me. So I think he's trying to hedge, hedge his bet there. But it's an interesting analysis from Dave to say that we are pitting Donald Trump, a wildly popular and by all means now productive president. We have experience with build back better. Nothing's built, nothing's back, nothing's better. And Bidenomics is uh, – Man, oh man, Shevitz, it's like a it's like a Ford Pinto. Um, it's just you know, and, and we're in the find out phase, by the way, of, of Bidenomics. So we're pitting Trump against a, a highly productive governor who, as Lad pointed out, got COVID right, handled uh, a natural disaster correctly, and is a magnet for immigration. Places like California and New York, people who are so fed up with the progressive policies there are moving to places like Florida. So Ron DeSantis certainly has uh, experience on his side, a record, a resume, if you will, that he can point to, and now that's being contested by Trump. So what does that mean? It means are, are we making one of the most productive governors ineffectual in this GOP primary process that no matter what was going to produce Donald Trump as the winner but the byproduct or the unintended consequence is we are castrating the most productive governor in the United States in the process as he tries to go toe-to-toe with Donald Trump. That is a really interesting analysis, Dave. And if anyone has any thoughts on whether that sounds right to you, uh, I'd love to hear them. And uh, you can give me a call at 844-TALK-989, 844-TALK-989. And uh, up next, we are going to talk to Logan Church with uh, Catholic Vote. She's their national political director about Ohio Issue 1, because we're going to ring the bell on this thing until it's time to vote. Stay tuned. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.